Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, I'm here with David, the man of God, Harris, on the phone lines. I will let you know, David, I just got Invisalign braces. Uh, some of my teeth are moving, so I have to try to straighten them out, and it is a pain in the behind. Um, eating, drinking, now I have to worry about taking stuff out of my mouth to go eat, and they kind of are annoying now i guess they're better than the regular braces and i've never had braces before so this is the first time so i got them yesterday and uh you gotta wear with them in your mouth while you're sleeping and basically it's almost like i have to schedule eating times you know usually i'm a, I'm a snacker so david i usually go around and just snack all day and eat stuff and uh now that's kind of getting limited and got to watch what you drink. I can drink water with them in, but taking them out, I have to take them out if I'm eating any type of candy or anything like that or food. And then you're supposed to brush your teeth after you eat, but obviously that's not feasible sometimes. So you got to at least drink some water to rinse your mouth out. It's pretty interesting, David. Yeah, that's the sign of, sign of the times. I don't know if, you know, we can get a Invisalign to do, you know, quick 30 second ad placement, you know. I'm sure you can work that out with the executives. Yeah, but yeah, just getting, you know, that maintenance once we get older. Got to start doing all that preventative and, yeah, getting older, overrated kids. Don't do it. <laughs> yes. Also, thanks again to John Miller getting me my, my card. Actually, I have a card and I have swipe access. So I was able to get in the building. It feels so good to hear that the green see the green light light up instead of the red button light up so now i have swipe access here into the building but you know what it is today we you know what we do here all the time on here is is when football season is one of david's favorite segments and that is winners Uh, david harris's nfl and college football winners and losers david take it away all right, college football, week two, NFL, week one, winners and losers. We'll start off with the winners. And we'll, we'll start with, obviously, the biggest story of last weekend. The little, the group of five, the quote-unquote little people. So the Sun Belt Conference, putting their name on the map for a lot of people, including some in College Station. We'll get to that whole situation later. But, again... How many people have to learn not to disrespect Appalachian State? Like, we know, for those of us that are old enough, we know when Appalachian State went into the big house and beat Michigan. We know that Appalachian State plays everyone tough. We know that they just nearly beat North Carolina last week, scoring, you know, 40 points in a quarter and ultimately losing, but having that ability. Notre Dame, 
brought in Marshall thinking, oh, this is going to be a tune-up game. But Notre Dame knows. These group of five schools, we just went there last year, and we probably should have beat them. That's neither here nor there, but Marshall went in, punched him in the mouth. Aggressive. And then the bigger one, you know, Georgia Southern, led by a former um, former big-name coach whose name escapes me right now, went to Nebraska. And that toxic situation that's happening in Lincoln. Um, we'll get to Scott Frost in the loser section. Spoiler alert. But like, it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter whether you have five stars, four stars, however much ratings. It's about your play on the field and your cohesiveness as a unit. And just because you go to a big school does not mean that you're a big-time player. So... Hopefully, after this past weekend, a lot of teams are going to start putting respect on the Sun Belt Conference, the group of five schools just in general. Because sprinkled among the group of five schools are NFL caliber players that we will be seeing on Sunday. So, so I just had to get some love to the Sun Belt, getting that, getting that million dollars and coming out with victories that were mostly deserved, we're just going to be honest. I'm sticking in the college game. Give some love to Kentucky. Going into the swamp, because I don't want to say they were like heavy underdogs, but a lot of people were expecting Florida to win. And again, Kentucky came in there Punch Florida in the mouth. Florida was really able to, not really able to match kind of punch for punch. And they look sluggish. But part of that is Kentucky playing their brand of football. Kentucky doing what they need to do to win. And so I think that was a solid game. Again, not really a fan of conference games, you know, second week of the season. But you Playing when you can get them scheduled, and Kentucky came away with a victory. Huh. Switching over to the pro game again, week one NFL first full Sunday slate of NFL games, and I'll give love to your Chicago Bears, Derek. Both teams played god awful. The Bears just looked less god awful. Um, a lot of people are making fun of the fact that, you know, when it rained and it came down heavy, they, you know, it looked like a game from the 1950s and 60s, where it's like, screw, you know, forget throwing the football, we're just going to run it. But that's a game in years past that Chicago finds a way to lose. The elements going against them, not really playing. Well, even though San Francisco played poorly and Trey Lance, a lot of people are saying Trey Lance is not ready. A lot of players aren't ready week one. Um, but the Bears came out with a victory that gives them momentum and they have the means of them you know, running through the rain and the mud and God help the, the laundry department after that game, but... So I was pleasantly surprised with the Chicago Bears. 
that's the first time I could say that in a couple of years. Well, I, 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 I we we've said it in, in our pick on we didn't even pick the Bears, but they're playing against a team that's basically a train wreck. Can we can we all admit that? And also the conditions were bad. I, I'm happy that the Bears got a win. Uh, Eberflus is from the Toledo area, former Rocket, uh, used to go to Whitmer High School, so that's that's the plus. But do you really think they're going to keep winning those sloppy games and? Really, Justin Fields didn't even have a really great first half, David. No, I, I think both quarterbacks really played. Eh. It, it was rough to watch, for sure. And I, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, in the elements and the conditions, you don't expect your quarterbacks to play well. But it's, it's also football. Like, at that point, you take it back to, you know, middle school, high school, when you were playing in the in the literal mud, doing all kind of, and just played your game. I think for a lot for a lot of times, and I think a lot of recent memory, the Bears when they're playing sluggish, it means everyone's down, and then letting the opposition come back in and kind of punching them. But I think what is encouraging about the Averflus era is that. There was no, okay, let San Francisco kind of get back into the game. It was really, like, keeping them at bay just long enough. And I think that that's a sign of forward progress. And obviously, you know, fields have to get better. The offense just has to look better in general. And I think that yeah, I think this David, seems David. like it's going to be another year where the defense is going to be relied on a lot to keep them and or win them games. Well, yeah, because it's the Bears. I mean, let's be honest, it's the Bears. The defense, that's what that history of that franchise is. But the, the, like I said, the 49ers to me are, are basically a train wreck. So I, I, I great that they're one to know. Remember, Matt Nagy ended up winning the NFC North and getting to the playoffs in his first season. By the time he was gone, they won his head on a stick in Chicago. So let's hold the brakes on this Eberflus era. My game is on this. I want to see what do you do against Aaron Rodgers, that bad man, and the Packers up in Lambeau. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, kind of at the top, San Francisco's kind of going through this transition. You're without your best weapon, and George Kittle, kind of, he's right. slow to kind of get acclimated. He was out. Yeah, yep. Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. But give credit where credit's due. You got to play who's on the field. Right. True, true. I, I'll, I'll totally do that. I'll give credit where credit is due. But at the same time, though, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm just a little wor- leery of them. Keep going. Uh, I'll stick in the NFL team that no one had any kind of success. Coming their way, the Houston Texans. Granted, they're still winless, so there's still a chance that they can go over and not have any wins. But they got a tie, and if it wasn't for the ineptitude of the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, let's just be fair. Houston looked like they were the better team on that day. Like this past time, Houston looked like. They were not going through the turmoil 
They had, you know, Rex Burkhead, who I'm pretty sure is in his 50s right now, but still just stuck along being that, you know, jack of all trades like he was in New England. I mean, Davis Mills out here looking competent. Like, Houston actually looked like a decent football team. And a lot of people were saying, oh, this is Indianapolis's to run with. You know, you have Jonathan Taylor, who's top three, bare minimum, best running back in the league. He looked, you know, like he got a late, you know, garbage time, you know, fourth quarter, end of the game touchdown, but he really wasn't as dominant as a lot of people expected. You know, the new Matt Ryan era. What do you do with all that? Like, they looked. Like, Houston played up to the competition, and it feels like Indianapolis played just a little bit down. And I don't know if that's just overlooking the opponents. I'm thinking, oh, it's Houston. We can beat them without playing our tip-top best without a problem. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to Houston getting the tie. Still... Don't think that they're going to win the division, but if they can play like that, they might actually get a win. Which um, is more than I would I try to give them credit for. Uh, and then the last winner, again in that similar boat, the New York Football Giants. <laughs> I mean. There's there's ballsy, and then there's kind of New York Giants ballsy. Like, like you understand, and obviously the Titans. We'll, we'll get to the Titans and just kickers in the loser section. But that game was just chaos. But at the same time, I like I like the aggressiveness. Right out the gate. I like the tenacity of like, boom, let's just go for it. Like, conventional wisdom says, oh, you know, we'll try to play for overtime, blah, 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 blah. No. It's like, we have, we have the ability to kind of shock the world, so why not go for it, is my thinking. And... I kind I kind of like that train of thought, but um, yeah, the Giants deserve that victory, and the Titans. There's a reason why I said the Titans, you know, are are hovered around that five hundred because you just you just never know what to expect from Tennessee and Brian Dable. Um, you have to respect the new coach, not playing scared. But, but yeah, that's, that's it for the winners. Now, now to the losers. Over. And boy, were they losers for sure. This we're in the NFL, let's just start with the, you know, the elephant in the room. Field goal kickers just had a bad week one. I mean, like people love 
and we've heard it for years now, you know, field goal kickers aren't real NFL players. They're not real athletes. Leave the, you know, why put the game in the, NFL, you know, in the kicker's hands? Blah, 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 blah. Like, there were a lot of, there were a lot of misses just in general. But if you, like, really look at them, a lot of them, and most of them were, you know, 40 plus, Forty yards and further away, like they were, you know, close by, you know, a hair, close by a foot, wide by margin. A lot of them hit hit the post and the upright. But then there were some just glaring misses, and I'm just going to lift up the game that I was watching, Bengals Steelers. How is it that you can set the franchise record? For longest field goal made in team history, franchise record, 59 yards. Everyone's like Evan McPherson, John Glade, added with range. But then you miss an extra point. Like, like that's what we're talking about when we're looking at, like, the plate of the field goal kickers. Like, your money from distance when you need the big leg. But the quote-unquote automatics aren't always automatic. Well, people have to fail to realize that uh, you, you field goal kicking is hard. Like, actually, <laughs> we were actually outside doing conditioning. People were like, oh, that looks easy. I'm like, that's not easy to do. And remember, this guy wasn't kicking it with people, you know, lunging at him trying to block the field goal. A lot of people think that field goal kicking is easy. It's not. And... There's only 32 field goal kickers in the NFL. If you mess up, you get cut, and they find somebody else. It's not like two back. There's no backups. It's just you. And if you, yeah. if you have a, you know, you mess up. Now, some coaches, they might keep you for a week. Oh, you had one bad week. We'll keep you. Maybe two. But most coaches mess up and eh, get somebody else on the phone. They already got your replacement waiting for you already, already on the street. I mean, it's. It's 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 a really high stressful job, and the game is all on the line for you. You haven't played. I mean, you've been bas- you got the best seat in the house watching, but sometimes you got the most stressful job to help the team get a win. Yeah, and kind of to your point, Rodrigo Blankenship for the Colts, he got waived, and he was you know, doesn't matter what you do, you know, your record consistently, especially in college. Like a lot of people, like oh, in college this. Young kicker was blah, blah, blah. Like, college doesn't matter once you get to the pros. It's what have you done for me lately, and Blake and Chip didn't produce, and so he was waived. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next man in. But, yeah, I think a lot of people, if they were really to analyze and really break down the mechanics and the art of kicking, and, yes, kicking is an art, like, they would be like, this is skill. Like, it takes skill to kick a football that long, that accurately, with people, you know, running at you trying to block your kick. Hmm. Okay. So continuing going with the NFL, just, I feel like the whole league in general took an L, just because there were a lot of games that were just crap poor. Mm-hmm. And and it and it goes back to and there there were a lot of teams 
that look sluggish, like their first units look bad. And my thinking was the, all last Sunday. You know what would be good to help a, you know a first team get together and gel together? A preseason game. But when you take away a preseason game and not have an opportunity for your number ones to work with, and and I'll lump Green Bay in here in particular. Like when you don't have a chance to work together as a unit, whether it's quarterback with receivers, quarterback with running back, any of that timing stuff, and especially, and we saw this a lot throughout week one, if your offensive line hasn't worked together, it's going to look ugly. Again, Cincinnati Bengals, because that's the game that I was watching. That offensive line looked like they hadn't spent any time together. Like, and that's, that's bad, not just for them as a unit, but Joe Burrow is still trying to not hurt himself. Like, he's trying to survive this season. And he may not make it out of the end of the month. Like, when you take away the preseason and the chance for the first team unit to really work together, this is what you get. You get crappy football like we saw in week one. <laughs> where the best of the best of the best. But they're professionals, have though. But David, to... someone can say to you, well, they're professionals. And a lot of times in the NFL, nobody takes the preseason seriously. I mean, but when they had the four preseason games, you all knew that the first two were kind of build-ups and the third was the rehearsal. And then the fourth was for those who were really on the bubble to show us what you can get. Now there's one less preseason game. People don't know when to do the rehearsal. The third Is the third game the one where you do the rehearsal like in years past or is it the third one which is the last preseason game the one where the, the bubble guys get to play a lot. But then do you do the dress rehearsal in week two? And then people say, well, no, that's not enough because in week one, we just started. So some people say, well, it's kind of stupid because in college football, they don't have preseason. They go right at it, which in college, there's a lot of sloppiness the first two or three weeks. And then teams find their, their rhythm. Now with 17 games on the list, some people just think that, you know, your first couple of weeks are going to look bad, but you have enough time to make up for it with the one extra game. So, granted, I see where your point is, but there's also a counterpoint there that says the, the pros never took the, the the preseason seriously anyway. So, what's the point? No, I mean, like to those points, I think I think they took I think they took preseason seriously because they wanted to make sure that they were like them as professionals for cohesive, but then also the coaches took it. I think the coaches took it definitely seriously because they are trying to figure out, okay, who's going to play where if this guy goes down, can we move people around? And particularly thinking within the interior, like with the linemen, that, that you can't, you can't replicate that week one, week two, you know, too when the bullets are flying and the games actually matter. Mm-hmm. Like doing all that strategizing, kind of doing the mismatching, getting the offensive line working together, and even just some of the chemistry. Right. Like I was listening to Dominique Foxworth this past weekend, him talking about, you know, 
people that put in the work do it in the volunteer, you know, OTAs, do it in the offseason, do it offside, getting a chance, at least for the skill position players, to really work on that. But it's one thing when you're doing it in shorts and a T-shirt. It's another thing when you're doing it even more so than the inner squad scrimmages that we usually see. Mm-hmm. Like, I think taking away that third preseason game really showed this, like, this week one. Because there were a lot of teams that really just didn't have that chemistry that had they been able to play seven, eight, nine, ten series together, <sighs> they would... Yeah, but I, I see what you're saying, but that's not very realistic. Think, think about it. Brady took 11 days off, missed, what, a couple preseason games? There's only three. He missed two out of the three. I mean, you're not going to convince the older guys to really play a lot of preseason. Basically, the preseason's for the younger guys. It is what it is. And Green Bay should have known if you needed to get rhythm and practice together, either practice more or get in the preseason games. Because think about it, ain't nobody stupid. They could have seen that what that was going on. No more Devontae Adams or anything like that. In practice, it will show you in the first few preseason games. So maybe the third game, they should have really been having it as a dress rehearsal. They didn't. They went out. They laid an egg in week one. I mean, that's kind of the the, the, the Packers' fault. That's not really because there's a lack of a preseason game. Well, I think I think it can be both and I think it could be both the fact that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play a whole lot of series in preseason because you know why Tom Brady like they can like Aaron Rodgers knows how to play the position like like and even with Tom Brady like he, he did most of his workouts with the receivers throwing to Mike Adams and everyone else you know he's done that in a t-shirt and shorts high school gym I, I think for, I think part of the Packers is that if you can't catch at this point in your life, then that's a bigger problem. And if you can't catch being an NFL receiver, like how how are you in the league? Like, I think a lot of the wide receiving core at Green Bay are like special teams guys that got thrusted into because of depth and need. But, so yeah, I, I think. It's an interesting conversation that I think a lot of teams are going to have to think, is is the money of the 17th game worth looking sluggish and possibly having to dig yourself out of a deeper hole after the first week or two because you don't have that time outside of you know the conflict of trying to cram four preseason, you know, four preseason weeks into three. So do you sacrifice the chemistry of the team and the start of the season for the long-term success for, you know, weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, that kind of thing? I mean, both points could be true. I was just giving you a different perspective. Keep going. Got two more. No, minutes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree. It's kind of a both-end situation. But kind of quickly switching over to the the losers in the collegiate game, Scott Frost. I mean, the writing was on the wall. It was just a matter of time. I think 
it was long overdue firing. Just a- after a while, you just run out of stuff to say. The rah-rah, the motivational speeches don't click the same. And Nebraska's a story program. So... Uh, and then, again, another storied program, Notre Dame. When you, we talk about it all the time, when you overlook the power fives, or when you think that just because, you know, you have higher quality players, I'll lump Texas A&M here too, just because you recruit well doesn't mean that your players are going to play well. I'll doesn't mean that there's cohesion. Doesn't mean that a team that is, and we see it, prime example, in college basketball. You can have a bunch of five-star, top 20, top 30 recruits, but are you going to beat a team that's been that's played together for two or three seasons that are full of upperclassmen? Probably not. Chem- chemistry lends itself to on-field success. Um, Texas A&M, just as a side note for them being in the loser section, that midnight yell was super cringy, and let's just say that those kind of traditions just need to be scrapped, like the the cult-like traditions of blah, 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 College Station, like, yeah. If you you haven't heard it, I know Texas A&M is trying to scrub it, from social media predicting like it never existed, even though we have evidence that it did. But yeah. some traditions just needed, you know, be taken out to the back and shot like old Geller. Oh, yes. Remember that segment. Oh, boy. You bring back blast from the past. Anything else? And, and then the last loser, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, yeah. The whole, the whole game was just bad. Pay calling, it, it took forever. But in that final two minutes, and, um, yeah, just horrible clock management, horrible time management, loving uh, Peyton Manning, calling timeout 62 times during the Manning cast. But it did take me back down memory lane. And, Derek, I know you'll probably remember this, but what happened, similar to Nathaniel Hackett, November 1st, 2011. Mm, I don't know. 63-60, Northern Illinois, Toledo, uh, yeah, yeah, Tommy yeah. Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. If we kick them one more time. But for four minutes and three timeouts, they're not even three timeouts, but for that game-winning drive by Northern Illinois, who refused to call a timeout? Was it Beckman? It was Beckman. Mm-hmm. And was that the same year they went down and played Ohio State that year? I remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, my, one of my favorite memories from that night, current head football coach for the Toledo Rockets, Jason Candle. I'm pretty sure if we found that, if we look for that tape, we can pick up his profanity from next from the glass screen. Yelling actually, to call a timeout. Actually, I think that was Matt Campbell. He was the offensive coordinator sure. at the time. Was now at Iowa State. Yeah, Campbell was the offensive coordinator. Candle, I believe, was the receivers coach at the time. So he went. He would be on the field. Because I I remember for Fandy, I could I kept confusing Campbell and Candle. Mm -hmm. Couldn't remember, but yeah. So former head Rockets head football coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just for Fandy screaming, 
about calling timeouts, and that was literally the only thing that I could think of as I'm watching the clock wind down for no reason. I'm just just call timeout. Why why do coaches not want to call timeout? That could be a pride thing. Like just gotta use them, and just like before you are never made. Um, just like um, Coach Beckman trusting our defense to get a stop, which if you really go back in that game, neither defenses were stopping anyone. If we're just going to be honest. It was basically a shootout. Um, but, yeah, <sighs> just use your timeouts if you got them. Right, right. All right, we, we have to wrap this up. You've gone thir- we usually try to do 20-minute segments. We're at 30 minutes. So, yeah, remember to use your timeouts. David, thanks so much for that. Uh, we're just trying to move on here as we got to get into the Robert Sarver thing. And actually, after the break, we'll do a little preview of the Toledo-Ohio State game. Can you believe this? Would you bet outright for Toledo or would you bet against the spread? We'll talk about that and more here on 88.3 WGs. After further review, but make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. We always have it up. If you miss any segment, we'll post them up. I forgot to post them up last week on there. I thought I did. It actually is on SoundCloud and on iTunes, but usually we'll go over to the After Further Review Facebook page as well. And you can click on it and on AFR Sports Show Twitter. When we return, talk a little Toledo, Ohio State, 88.3 WHTs After Further Review. We'll be back after this.